0: Well, church, it's not in your bulletin It didn't make it, but this sermon is broken up into two parts today, and I'm going to introduce you to a talent that you did not know I had. People ask me quite a bit, Josh, is preaching the only gift you have? And some people don't ask that, all right. (laughs) But I say, you know what? Every few years, I think I need to reveal to you some of the gifts in my life, and one of them is my ability to be a potter. So I would just like to walk you through step-by-step what this looks like, all right? If you've read the Bible much, the potter and clay image shows up quite a bit. I mean, Jeremiah 18, you got examples in Isaiah. Um, Paul talks about it in some of his letters. And it's it's an image that just never gets old, a potter who forms and shapes something with his hands. So I just want to walk you through step-by-step what this looks like, and I think we're going to learn something through this. Step number one, uh, posture is very important when you do this, especially those of us who are over the age of 30. We can pull hamstrings and mess up our backs at any moment, right? Number two, your arms need to stay in like a 90-degree angle. If you've seen the movie Hitch, when Will gives Kevin James advice on how to dance, you live right here, 90 degrees, all right? That is where you live. Step three, um, it's good... um, If you're making something that's priceless, it's good for you to get to know what you are making. Oh, so, um, so so as you, uh, sometimes I like just to put it on my lap because, um, It's good for you to treat it like a championship trophy. So sometimes what I do when I do this in front of people is I take it off for a moment and I like to give a speech. (laughs) First of all, I would like to thank God for giving me the gifts to do some of the things I do. Second of all, I want to thank my wife and my boys for the inspiration they give me in life. Thirdly, I would like to thank my 10th grade English teacher who said I would never amount to anything because... (laughs) because I talk too much, uh, or because um, that time when I uh, was trying to shoot a stapler in the ceiling in my English class uh, with a rubber band, but it went into a girl's forehead, and she she didn't think I was going to make it much. Now, fourthly, when you do this, it's good to have water nearby, uh, because you need water. I mean, it, this will wear you out, okay? <laughs> good to have some water to drink while you... Uh, <laughs> why you do it, okay? Oh, oh man. Okay. Uh, now. Uh, all right. For anybody concerned about the floor, this stuff comes up, okay? And um if you no, I'm okay. If you can't tell, I don't really know what I'm doing, okay? <laughs> This is the first time I've ever even attempted this, if it doesn't look like that. (laughs) Okay, so we're in a series right now, and you can see it on the screen, called Sin Exposed. And here's the deal. Let me try to set this up, and I'm going to invite up somebody who knows what they're doing. Do you ever feel like you've made a mess out of your life? I could tell you the years. Where I could tell stories that came from specific years, 1997. 2010 and those are two years that come to mind when I felt like my life just crumbled or it was a mess and I bet you could pinpoint certain years in your life where you feel like you made a mess out of your life too either because of sin you committed in your life or because of things other people have done to you that left you broken cracked maybe looking something like something like this uh, a guy came to my office um, a few years ago and he wanted to confess some of the sin in his life and he said um he was going through a 12-step program which one of the steps is to confess your sin like get serious about your sin and he sat down in my office and the first thing he said was well let me begin at the age of 14 when i killed my first man i'm sitting there thinking dude if you killed your first man at the age of 14 what other confessions are coming you know and even in the moment, I was sitting there thinking, what's going to happen if he gets frustrated with me? You know, And I'm thinking through, what would Jack Bauer do if he gets attacked in his office? You know, And I listened to this guy tell stories for a while about how he feels like such a failure in his life. And I finally just stopped him, and I said, man, you know, here's what's so cool about God. is It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. When we give our lives to Jesus and God looks at us through Jesus, our lives cannot be described with the word failure failure. Because we have a God who loves being in the business of repairing what has been broken. But if you have ever had anything repaired, anything on your body repaired, anything in your house repaired, a car repaired, if you've ever engaged in a process of repairing anything, it can be costly, right? There are times where things are broken in my house and I'm like, well, I just I hope it doesn't get out of control, but I don't want to know how much it costs to repair this. So I'm not going to do anything about it. I hear a weird sound in my car, and I'm like, I don't want to take it in because there is a cost of repair. So when I was growing up, I would hear men stand up in our church, and they—I almost every prayer they prayed, their prayer would end with, God, forgive us for our many sins. And you may pray that prayer, and it may be a prayer that works for you, but I started praying that prayer in my life, and I realized it wasn't doing much for me. Because 15 to 20 years ago, what I realized is I would often pray prayers and even at night, I would whatever prayer I was praying, it would end with, God, forgive me for my many sins. And then it was, for me, it became like this blanket prayer where I just want to make sure my sins were covered. I wasn't as interested about my sins being done away with. So um, I decided not to pray the prayer, God, forgive me for my many sins anymore. You may pray and it may work for you. I just... In my life, I need to get really specific about the sin that I am fully aware of. And if there's sin I'm not aware of, I need God to reveal to me what it is in my life that's out of sync with who God is. Um, so, in Jeremiah 18 is one of those places with a potter and a clay, where a potter sits with the clay, and it's God who tells Jeremiah, "You go to a house, you go to a potter's house, and you see what they're doing." And and, and as Jeremiah saw that scene, one thing he saw was anytime time the clay was broken or it did, it, it, it wasn't, it, it performed badly, the potter would take that same clay and would just continue to work it. And God says, this is the same thing I do with you. Aren't you glad we have a God who is hands-on, not hands-off? Uh, Eddie, how about you come up here for a moment? Um, I mean, dude, do you think there's a shot that you could do something with that? <laughs> Did I just make some good memories for you a minute ago? One of the funniest things I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> if I was in your class, what grade would I get after that? Rachel, uh, Rachel, Hickman, her you Rachel Hickman, yeah. Well, we're going to see what you can do, okay? Um, I'm going to clean my hands in just a moment, but Eddie, we're glad you're here. Eddie is at uh, Harding Academy. Eddie does this all the time. He's going to be up here for a little while as we sing some songs. And Eddie, one thing I've learned, even before watching you, I know you and I have done an event together, I've seen you doing this online and other places, is for us to be like clay in the hands of God, it takes us being still. And I don't know about you, it's one of the hardest things in my life, but one thing God has pressed on me for three to four years is it is impossible for a surgeon to do surgery on a moving patient, and it's really hard for God to work on the hearts of people who aren't willing to be still. So we're going to sing a few songs while Eddie does some work up here, and uh, before we do that, I want to ask you to pray with me. There are times I lead you through a palms down or a palms up prayer time, and I I don't want to lead it specifically through that this morning, but I invite you, there may be a moment this morning as we sing some songs that you put your palms, palms down. There may be moments where you put your palms, palms up. This needs to be an exercise for you, but as you sing some of these songs, you you may find the Lord laying someone else on your heart and we pray for them to be faithful in the hands of God as he attempts to shape and form and rework and restructure our hearts and our lives. So can we bow our heads and close our eyes? as we pray this morning. God, we pray to the one who is not far off. You're not far away. You're not on vacation. You're not on another planet. The last thing Jesus told us in the Gospel of Matthew is that he is with us always. And God, at least for me, there are times in my life when I'm aware of your abiding presence and it's the most exciting, thrilling thing in my life to know that the creator of the world is right next to me, closer than our own skin, yet it's also one of the most frightening things to be in your hands, because what if you begin to point out things that may be a little costly to be repaired? But this morning, our prayer through the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives is that you will have your way with us. Reveal what you need to reveal. Do what you need to do. I pray in the spirit of Psalm 82 today that you will not be silent, that you will not be still, but that you will That you will. Just perform your mighty wonders in our hearts and in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the church said, "Now have."
1: Thine own way. Yeah.
0: I saw it going a little differently a minute ago when I was up here. Um, One thing we were going to do is I was going to place a couple of small pebbles in what I was doing and watch Eddie try to work those out, cut them out somehow. But I made such a mess out of it, I didn't get to do that. (laughs) All right, because here's the deal. A lot of times when we talk about sin, uh, we talk about the biggies. I mean, how many conversations you've been in, how many sermons have you heard where sex, drugs, and alcohol, and maybe spin the bottle, or for those of us who are spiritual, spin the Bible. You know, these, these are the big, spin, the big sins that come up. Uh, and, and I could tell stories of counseling people, discipling people, maybe even stories of my own life, where some of those sins have played themselves out. And I bet you could talk about the biggies, too. Uh, But I could also, or I am standing up here, I guess, saying that I have seen some of the smaller sins ruin more lives than sex, drugs, and alcohol. Uh, The small sins of uh, unhealthy um, forms of anger and holding grudges and pride and selfishness and those little bitty things like a pebble that we allow into the corner of our heart and it slowly turns us into monsters or into people we never wanted to be, right? Right? All right, so open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, and this is where I want to land, and I I really hope you engage the Word of God this morning in a way that you take this home and spend a little more time with this. Life groups are going to be talking about it, but in Colossians 3, 5 through 11, here's here's what Paul says. Colossians 3, verse 5, put to death. So if you underline your Bibles, I want you to underline that. Put a star by it, circle it, whatever you do. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. So verse 5, you put to death the biggies, and Paul names them for what they are. Fornication, impurities, passions, evil desires. Verse 6, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that kind of life, But now you must get rid, and underline that in your Bibles, now you must get rid of such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language. And these seem to be some of the things we would say are smaller sins. You get rid of these. Get uh, of abusive language from your mouth. Verse 9, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. And in verse 11, some of your Bibles say, here, there is no longer Greek or Jew. Some of our Bibles say, in that renewal, even if your Bible says, here, what it is referring to is in that kind of process of renewal, in the renewal process, there's no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. It's a pretty good word, right? Now, here's what I've been thinking about the last few weeks. Whenever we talk about getting, having something renewed, entering into a renewal process, the things that come to my mind aren't things I really enjoy. Have you ever had to stay in line, wait in line at the DMV? Anytime you have a license plate renewed, your license renewed, you think about almost any form of renewal. There's a waiting process that goes along with that, whether it's an hour or whether it's you do something online and then you have to wait for it to show up at your mailing address. Uh, I can tell you stories about going to the DMV. I wait. You never know how long you're going to be there, right? It could be 30 minutes. It could be three hours. Sometimes I take a book. On my best days, when I go to a place and I know I'm going to be there for a long time, on my best days, when I feel like I'm living a life, or in that day, I'm living a day in which I feel like I'm in sync with the Lord, at my best, I enter into those times where I know I'm going to be waiting for a while, and I'm asking God to teach me how to pray. And I'm going in preparation for either I'm reading a book or I just want to pray over the room. I want to pray over people. I want to be fully alive to what the Spirit is doing. So even if I see somebody with their face buried in their hands and the look of stress, sometimes I'll quietly touch them on the shoulder or grab them in a hallway and just say, man, I I saw your face buried in your hands. I don't know what's going on in your life and I don't need to. I just want you to know it looks like there's stress and tension in your life and I would like to pray for God to work in your life, and to send you peace. And sometimes people write me off, and sometimes people begin to engage in what it is uh, in their life that is broken. Those are all my best days, all right? Because many other days when I'm in line waiting for something to be renewed, on my worst days, I enter into, I, I judge people, I people watch, I'm that guy that's even looking at the people to my left and my right saying, man, they've got to come up with a new process for this, right? Like, we're here way too long. This is stressful. We have life to do. They need to find a new way to do this. Almost anything that has to be renewed, you have to wait at some point for it. A few years ago, I was speaking at uh, Lipscomb University, and they asked me to come in and to talk about sex, which is always fun, right? talking about sex in front of a bunch of college students. And I stayed over and I did a Q&A with them that night. And I didn't know what kind of questions were going to come. And I could tell you later. I can't tell them now, okay? And afterwards, there was a line of college students who waited to talk to me one by one. And one girl stood over on the side and she sat in a chair and waited for everyone to leave. She waited well over an hour and a half. And this girl just sat there and she wept the entire time. And I sat down with her and She said she's 21 years old. She was 21 at the time. And she said all of her life, she had never had a drink, had never been with a man. And two days before I got there, she had her first drink, which led to another. And she uh, became drunk and she lost her virginity all in the same night. And she was there just weeping in her hands. So if you're me, what do you say to her? And what I said was something like this. Satan wants you to believe that what you did two nights ago is who you are now. That this is who you are. Because you're going to probably date another guy because men are crazy out there in the world. And some dude one day may even say, hey, but you did it with him. Why don't you do it with me? And and Satan wants you to believe that this is your new reputation. But God wants you to know that what you did two nights ago was a mistake. But that his love for you hasn't changed. His mercy flowing into your life has it changed. And God wants you to believe in the process of transformation, but the process of transformation can be hard. Embracing new life can be hard. And Barbara Brown Taylor is one who ever even points out that sometimes we choose to take on the guilt of sin in our lives instead of engaging in the hard process of being renewed and transformed. Uh, So in colossians 3 paul lays out look here are the things you put to death Here are the things you get rid of and you need to be in this daily process of renewal of being changed Of not just trying to manage the sin in your life, but putting it to death getting rid of it because You know what a lot of times what we do is sin It's like when you're walking through a yard and you step in dog mess. How many of you done that? You know what i'm saying? We just got a dog in December. I lost. Casey and the boys won. We got a dog, which means there's stuff in our yard, which means people step in it. But you know what would be ludicrous? Is if you step in dog mess and then you open up the door of your house, and when you walked in, you just took perfume and you sprayed it on your shoe because you didn't want it to smell bad. You would never do that. But, ha- but there are probably times in your house where there's been a smell and you lit a candle instead of trying to do away with the smell. Or your trash was only a fourth full, and it was a little smelly, so you lit a few candles because you don't want to waste a trash bag. And how often in our lives there's sin we know we need to deal with, but we try to overcompensate with good in our lives so that we can go to bed at night thinking that the good in our lives outweighs the bad. And if the good outweighs the bad, then I feel like I'm, I'm living in sync with God. The New Testament, the Bible, never teaches that kind of way of life. It's never living a way where you feel like if you're on the scale, the good in your life is greater than the bad. So there's sin in your life, and you don't really see it going away, but we're going to go feed the homeless more times this year than we did last year, so we feel better about who we are with God. When it comes to the Jesus way that you put to death, you get rid of. You get on a wheel and you let God have his way to remove whatever it is in your life that is keeping you from living in sync with who God is. And you know what one of the greatest gifts of God is to humanity? It's a gift of repentance. 180 degree turn. And repentance isn't just something we engage in when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we confess Jesus as Lord, when we're baptized, when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance isn't just what we do then. It's this ongoing repentance that any time we find ourselves off track, or moving away from the things of the Lord, we repent so that we can be right. But what I've learned in my life, and I bet you would agree, is a lot of times repentance is like bitter medicine. I got two boys. They occasionally get sick. And there are days where I'm holding the medicine that will make them well. And especially when they were babies and we had to like squirt it in their mouth, they would spit it right back out. And even now, there are times where I'm like, man, all you need, you, this shot will make you better. Or just drink this. And the fever will go down. Your pain will be reduced. As the dad, I know what my kids need to make them better, to make them well. Yet, man, they don't want it because it tastes bad. And I know what they need to help the fever go down and to help the pain go away and to help the sickness decrease. And God knows that the gift he gave us of repentance is exactly what we need. Yet sometimes it can taste like bitter medicine. That it doesn't taste good in the mouth or going down. And it can make us engage in this process of costly repair where some things need to be broken down or go away so that God can rebuild. But if we don't engage in this process of transformation, what happens to our own hearts? What happens to the mission of God in the world? Uh, so when it comes to repentance, it's not just saying no to the sin in our lives. It's also saying yes to Jesus. Uh, So this morning, we're going to have, if our leaders, our prayer people will go ahead and get in your places, our prayer warriors, head and move, we're going to sing a few songs because, Eddie, was this the piece I had earlier? This right here? It looks a little bit better than what I did with that. It's a little different. In fact, Justin, you took pictures. Maybe we can put those on our Facebook and Twitter account. If If we could find a way where we could have what I did and what Eddie has done and put them side by side. Because I bet a a lot of you would look up here and say, like, this is what God is doing in my life, right? That we have a God who is so hands-on and desires to be hands-on and wants to shape and mold and smooth out whatever is broken and whatever lumps are there, that God has has the ability and the willingness to make us into this beautiful picture of what Jesus has done in this world. And I don't know where you are in your faith journey or how we can come along to help you today, but we have people in this room. We have uh, uh, the rays in the back we have i see dewey elders up front fawns over here to my right if there's anything we can pray for we would love to do that and maybe you're here and you would love to place jesus uh, place uh take on jesus as the lord of your life to engage in this process of transformation to begin and enter into this process come over here to willie on my right and we would love to talk and pray with you we have tables set up where if there's something you want to go and write down our staff, our leadership takes these very seriously. We would love a chance to pray for you tomorrow in our staff meeting. But for the next few moments, what we want to do is sing a couple of songs, or we just we we are so thankful that God has not left us alone in our sin, but Jesus has absorbed and taken on the sin of the world so that we could be made whole. And can we stand and we can we declare these songs of thanksgiving and celebration and declaration to our God? Let's sing.
1: He is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns me today. to be. Tweet.